What a wild week it's been. And I'm not just talking about the hurricane we rode out last Wednesday, but the down again, up again of literally everything as we wait to see if the Fed pivots after their emergency meeting. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022, and that means that it is once again DCA Wednesday. Real quick, for those of you who listened to last week episode, last week's episode, uh, it was extremely abbreviated because we were getting ready to get hit by Hurricane Ian. Fortunately, where I'm at didn't get hit too bad, although right after I got the episode uploaded, we did end up losing power for good. I did flickered a few times, and then it finally just went. And uh, so it was out for the entire storm and the entire next day. So a little over two days without power, which actually isn't that bad. Uh, we got really, really lucky where I'm at. Normally, we lose a line right near where I'm at. And uh, we're usually one of the last people where I am to get power restored. Uh, however, this time, the closest break was next to a sewage treatment facility. So they made that a priority to get it repaired. And when they brought the sewer treatment uh, facilities lift pump lift station back online uh, we came back online with it so thank goodness uh, that we didn't get hit anywhere near as hard as um, our fellow bitcoiners in Sanibel and Fort Myers Beach and wow they, they got walloped so we got lucky they did not uh, and uh, well it's been a week um, time flies it's hard to believe that that just uh, a week ago Wednesday I was uh, trying to get this recorded before the power went out uh, and here we are with gorgeous weather. It was like the hurricane flipped the light switch. It went from uh, like upper 80s, low 90s in Florida with a darn near 100% humidity to like 75 degrees and gorgeous. Uh, actually, right after the hurricane, it got almost icy cold. It got into the low 60s, like 62 or 63. And I know a lot of you are like cold. 62 isn't, isn't that cold, but it was a 30 degree swing in temperature. And it was a big change. And 62 degrees with a driving wind and high humidity, it, it, it can be chilling, especially when you were wearing shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> All right, before we get into any, any, uh, any of this any further, let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. As of the time of this recording, uh, we are sitting at a block height of 757,276, and Bitcoin is ringing in at 20,140 US dollars per Bitcoin, that is the highest we've seen it in a month, almost the highest we've seen it in two months. Now, obviously, Bitcoin's been up again, down again. In fact, earlier this morning, it was it was like 20,600 or so. Um, so it was higher than it is now. But um, the neat thing about doing this podcast and highlighting dollar cost averaging is that by going back and looking at this one snippet of time on Wednesdays, it seems like that the price of Bitcoin has just been solidly right around 20,000 since like June. So uh, even though there have been huge swings, and I think we, we snagged an 18,000-something purchase a couple weeks ago, but even though the rest of the world that's staring at price charts 
is seeing these huge swings. When you look at it on a Wednesday perspective, Bitcoin's been really, really stable for the last several months. All right, where was I? Um, that $20,140 US dollars per Bitcoin works out to a price of 4,965 sats per cuck buck, 49.65 Moscow time. If you value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, it will cost you 11.8 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin. That is exactly the same amount of gold as last week, although I'm not sure if I even covered it because, like I said, we had a very abbreviated, a very abbreviated podcast. Um, but despite the fact that uh, the price of uh, gold is up in U.S. dollar terms, it is exactly the same in Bitcoin terms as it was last Wednesday. And one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,207 Papa John's pizzas. Again, that will feed a family of four once a day for almost four years. That's somewhere around the uh, three-year, 10-month, three-year, 11-month range. That is a heck of a lot of pizzas for just one Bitcoin. And if you value your wealth in oil, one Bitcoin will cost you 215.7 barrels of oil at a rate of 463,582 sats per barrel. Oil has gotten a little bit more expensive in Bitcoin terms and a lot more expensive in US dollar terms. Uh, Bitcoin is, correction, Bitcoin. Oil is up about $4 a barrel in terms of US dollars, uh, but only up about 5,000 sats in Bitcoin terms. Bitcoin is currently sitting on a market capitalization of 386.1 billion. That is up 32.3 billion from last week. Uh, although last week was down at 34 billion. So again, Bitcoin is staying relatively stable in the last uh, couple of months. If you look at it, at least in terms of where Bitcoin was when we've recorded this podcast on Wednesday afternoons and or evenings, it's getting a little bit late here. Once again, I'm getting this podcast out at the end of the day, but that's because, uh, partly because I have a lot going on, but also because uh, I like to make sure that when I record this, that I've gotten the most news or information that I can deliver to you. And uh, since the media lives in a nine to five world still, the media kind of keeps bankers hours. Most of the big stories have already been written for the day. Uh, whereas if I do this show first thing in the morning, uh, who knows what breaking news might happen right after I hit publish that would radically alter the perspective uh, that I would have uh, presented or what I would have talked about had I recorded just a little bit later. So here we are, um, late in the afternoon, early evening. Uh, but as we, as we, uh, well, I'm getting a little sidetracked here. Back to the vital statistics. Uh, looking at my mempool on my node, uh, currently there are th about three blocks worth of transactions pending. That's a little bit more than last week when there were two blocks worth of transactions pending. Uh, but last week there it had been 22 minutes between blocks, so um, really that was about right on time uh, because there, in in the in terms of averages, there should have been two blocks in that 22 minutes, and that would have cleared out both those pending blocks. So. Uh, looks like maybe there's a little more activity on chain than there was this point in time last week. And that's usually a good sign for Bitcoin. When Bitcoin's got more activity, it's usually, um, well, since most of the transactions you see, if you look at the reports that exchanges put out, I forget what Coinbase's uh, last report was, but it was something like 97% of the activity is purchasing when it comes to Bitcoin in lieu of selling. So um, it would make sense that 
a lot of those transactions are hopefully people moving the Bitcoin off exchanges and onto their hardware wallets after having made a purchase, and that is good for price. Along those lines, wow, um, the fee estimator is saying that to, uh, well, first of all, it's saying that one SAT provide transactions will still clear it within a day. And realistically, they should clear a lot faster than that because the fee estimator is saying that it's only going to take a fee of five SATs per byte to guarantee that you're in the next block. And that is the cheapest we've seen in at least four months. In fact, I'm scrolling through my notes and I don't see anything cheaper than seven SATs per byte without scrolling through pages and notes. So uh, five SATs per byte to guarantee the next block is definitely the cheapest we've seen in a long time. Uh, and along those lines, that metric that you know I like to pay attention to, my personal favorite metric, the Bitcoin's 24-hour transaction rate, is up a little bit from last week. We're still just a smidge below the number that I like to see, that 3.14 transactions per second, currently averaging 3.13 transactions per second. But that is healthier, a lot more on-chain activity than last week. And certainly a lot more than the week before. So that is good. And you know that uh, if you've been paying attention, and I'm, and this is just something I've observed just, actually, I didn't even notice this until I started this podcast. But since I've started this podcast, I've noticed that on days when the average transaction rate is higher than 3.14 transactions per second, Bitcoin is almost always up. Uh, and again, that's just my observation. I have no idea um, if that's, just a just a coincidence um, or if there's more to it but uh, so far that's held true we've got 3.13 transactions per second and bitcoin is rising today or it had been anyway and speaking of the blockchain it's been over a week now since our last difficulty adjustment for those of you mining at home uh, the last difficulty adjustment was a downward difficulty adjustment of 2.1 percent that is about to come to an end though because we are currently 740 blocks until the uh, away from the next difficulty adjustment. That's about four days. Looks like it's going to be sometime on the 10th of October. Last week it was estimating it would be the 11th of October. So those blocks have definitely sped up since last Wednesday. And as a result, we're looking at an increase anywhere from 6.87% all the way up to possibly a 12.7% increase in the difficulty to mine a new block. That is the largest potential increase that I have seen Again, scrolling through all my notes, um, that is just a tremendous uh, increase. And that's a fairly, those are fairly reliable numbers. Obviously, there's a big difference between 6 and 12%, uh, but we're only 740 blocks away. And as you know, Bitcoin adjusts its mining difficulty every 2016 blocks, which it's theoretically every two weeks. But um, if blocks are being mined faster and we're looking at an increase in difficulty, then usually that's less than two weeks which is why the, the difficulty is going to go up. And of course, if hash rate is decreasing, it'll take a little longer than two weeks, and that's when you get those mining difficulty decreases. And we are currently scheduled for a huge difficulty increase, uh, at least as far as uh, comparing it to other recent difficulty adjustments. And the reason why we're looking at such a big difficulty increase is during this difficulty epic, Blocks have been zooming in with an average time of 8 minutes and 52 seconds, more than a full minute faster than that 10-minute target, uh, and about 25 seconds faster than, uh, than last week. So things are definitely picking up. That, as you know, indicates more people are mining, more hash power uh, is being added to the network. Now, in the past, when... It seemed like there was a new version of, uh, of an ASIC coming out 
every couple of months. That was usually indicative of people swapping out uh, older ASICs for newer ASICs. For example, when the Antminer S7 was the latest and greatest miner, it was putting out somewhere around four terahashes or four terahashes uh, per second. And then the Antminer S9 came out, and that was more like 14 terahashes per second, which was a significant increase in hash power. And so even if you didn't get more miners turned on, but you got more miners phased out uh, and the newer generation miners coming online, uh, that it would increase, you know, the difficulty would result in the difficulty increased. However, uh, there was a big lag. Not a lot of new mining equipment came out. There's the S19 Pro uh, came out, you know, a year or so ago at least. And then uh, the newer generation stuff is just kind of in the works, in the pipeline, soon TM. So um, unless a whole bunch of more miners just got delivered uh, or the new generation miners are finally starting to get delivered, uh, that means just a lot more miners have gotten switched on. And quite possibly that's some of those marathon miners that they were having trouble relocating from Montana to Texas. Uh, who knows? I don't actually know where, where that hash power is coming from, but a lot of it definitely got switched on because for blocks to come in that fast, that's a significant increase in hash power in, in network security. Real quick, thanks again to those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain or Breeze. Uh, we've had a few of you, actually, I, I didn't check the latest statistics, but I do know I did check that we did not have any boosts this week. But thank you for those of you who are supporting us by listening on uh, Fountain or Breeze, uh, that value for value model. Uh, we are, uh, we're a small podcast. We're, we don't even show up on the, the, the charts. You know, the uh, Fountain now will rank podcasts based on how much you stream uh, to them. And I think Tales for the Crypto Rabbit Hole Recap is number one. Uh, we're not even anywhere near appearing on that list. But there are some of you listening on Biopodcasting 2.0, so thank you for doing so. All right, uh, back to the news. Uh, in the last several days, other than today, we had a little bit of a bump, I guess, or um, we had a little bit of a, a bump in the road. Stock markets had been recovering. Uh, as you know, last week to close out the month, all markets just got hammered. The stock markets just took a pounding, uh, no pun intended, uh, closing out the worst September in memorable history, of course, the market experts out there say that September for the stock market tends to be the worst month of the year, and usually there's a rally in October afterwards. And it's not just that Bitcoin was correlated to the stock market. Everything was correlated to the stock market. The price of, the, of pretty much every stock dropped. Uh, gold dropped along with it. Bonds dropped along with it. All the so-called store values were not. Everything went down. It was the everything sell-off. And then, of course, Monday and Tuesday, we saw a little bit of a recovery, a couple of days of rallying. And then uh, today, I think the markets all closed down a little bit. I think NASDAQ, the tech technology stocks, closed down the most. Of, they'd lost about a quarter of a percent with the other indexes uh, not quite as bad. I think it was somewhere around like a 0.14% decrease on the Dow and like a 0.2% decrease on the S&P 500. Um, and this is not a stock show or a bond show or a gold show, but the, um, my point is, you know, people were saying, well, Bitcoin is correlated and it was supposed to be a store of value and and, uh, and it didn't work out that way. Look, the price of Bitcoin went down with the stocks, but I'm saying the price of everything went down with the stocks. That was a hell of a sell-off. And then, of course, the Federal Reserve had an emergency meeting on Monday. I don't know when we're going to find out if uh, what was discussed that meeting, although you can probably guess because, as you know, the Bank of England just pivoted last week. They were looking at uh, their pensions basically all being bankrupt because uh, I had 
listened to one person explain it basically that in order for the pensions to cover their payouts, they needed to bring in an average annualized percentage of about a 10% return, and they were getting about a 2% return. So how they were trying to get the, the increased return was using leverage. And then when, when, uh, when things tanked, they all got margin called. And as a result, the Bank of England announced that they were pivoting from QE and that they would be buying bonds again. Um, and while the United States has not said anything other than their official statement that uh, they will continue the course and that they don't want to risk um, pivoting too soon and raising or and easing off on raising interest rates, uh, it's pretty much assumed that there's a pivot coming eventually. Uh, that's probably getting a little bit more priced in uh, now, which is why we saw the the rally in in all markets on Monday and Tuesday. Um, but I guess we'll see. Along those lines, Zero Hedge posted an interesting article entitled, quote, Biggest Dovish Shock from Australia Since 2008 Supercharges Bets That Global Tightening Is Ending. Uh, there aren't a lot of people out there that I have seen that are saying anything other than it's only a matter of time before all these central banks pivot and we end up printing money, the money printer is getting turned back on, money printer go burr again. And obviously that's already happening in England uh, with their with the British pound just absolutely getting decimated last week. And then their pension systems going bankrupt or potentially uh, on the brink of bankruptcy. And now it looks like Australia is getting ready to turn the money, the money printers back on. And, uh, you know, along kind of along the lines of that dollar milkshake theory with uh, the U.S. dollar will be the last global fiat currency to fail because, you know, all the other currencies are going to fail first. And we've certainly been seeing that with pretty much every currency trending down against the U.S. dollar. They call that a, a strengthening dollar, but that isn't a good thing. It's only strengthening relative to the rest of the world whose uh, currencies are tanking. And of course, we still have outrageous inflation in the United States. So it, um, our economy is definitely not strengthening just the value of the U.S. dollar when compared to the value of, say, the pound or the euro or the yen, for example. All right, let's do a real quick recap of last week since last week's show was so abbreviated. I don't think I really got a chance to go over the numbers. We did do our stack and we purchased 100,000 sats. We purchased, well, we purchased 100,717 sats at a price of $19,410.81. What I don't think I discussed is that lowered our average cost basis by another $433.17. Our average cost basis dropped by $1,923.20 during the month of September. And we brought our stack up to 3,566,801 Satoshis. Of course, the longer the price of Bitcoin stays down, the cheaper our average cost basis is going to be. Uh, and that is cool because while we are still underwater in terms of an average cost basis, uh, we're in the $34,000 range now. Uh, that is a lot better than where it was. Well, for example, the beginning of September, our average cost basis was $1,923.20 more. So um, when, you're looking, when you're looking at dollar costs averaging on a short-term basis, it may look like you're underwater uh, because we bought, you know, we started this dollar cost average experiment in July of uh, 2021. So basically what that means is we bought in the bull market and we bought all the way up to the top. So our average cost basis was, you know, a lot higher than it would have been had we uh, just started now or started five years ago or 10 years ago, obviously. 
But that's not the point. The point of dollar cost averaging is a long-term, it's a long-term investment strategy. And the idea is that we'll be smoothing out our purchases over time. And clearly we're doing that because we've also, in addition to buying all the way up, we've now bought all the way down to what a lot of people are, are, are calling the bottom, whether it is the bottom or not, who knows if it is, then the idea is we've stacked sats all the way down. If it drops even further, then we'll just keep dollar cost averaging even further. And that'll lower our average cost basis because if you believe, like I believe, that Bitcoin always returns to a new all-time high, uh, that it's going to set a new all-time high every halving cycle until we finally hit super cycle, that it will surpass that $69,000 range, and all it needs to do is surpass $34,000, and we're going to be looking good. When it sets a new all-time high in the $70,000 or $70,000 range, um, well, that, that's double what our cost basis is, so uh, we'll be looking really good in a few years, hopefully. All right. Everybody is still waiting with bated breath for the Hodlnot verdict, you know, the Hodlnot versus Fake Toshi lawsuit where uh, Fake Toshi is suing him for uh, basically defamation, whatever they call that specifically in Norway, uh, for calling him a fraud and for quote-unquote bullying him online. Uh, the judge has, obviously the trial, it came to a halt, the, the trial wrapped up, it finished uh, already, and the judge said that they will make their decision sometime on or before November 8th, so far, no news. Uh, so we may be waiting a while. If they, if on or before November 8th means November 8th, which it would tend to mean to me when you're dealing with government agencies, they don't usually get things done ahead of schedule. Um, but an earlier verdict is not necessarily a good verdict because, you know, a hasty verdict, uh, you know, you make a rash snap decision. You don't have that as opposed to one that you've had time to think out um, to in this case, to write a hopefully well-reasoned opinion as to why the judge makes the decision they do. So uh, the more time and effort they put into that, probably the better, because um, the case against, well, the case against fake Toshi uh, is technical. You know, there's there's a lot of us that believe the same way Hadalot does. Uh, most of us, I dare say. And that's based on an understanding of all of the BS that fake Toshi has put forward um, and the fact that he could very easily prove that his identity, if it was true, just by signing a message with one of the, you know, one of the Satoshi keys, one of the blocks we know Satoshi mined, the Genesis block, for example, uh, that would be, it would be, in, in, it would be incontrovertible proof that he at least has control over some of Satoshi's Bitcoin. While you still might be able to say that that didn't prove he is Satoshi, uh, it would, it would be close enough. And I think I think Hodlnot even said that in the trial that if he would just sign. A message that would even commence Hadlanat. Of course, he refused to do so, and every piece of evidence that we know of that he's presented in various cases, and you know, in uh, and just even uh, to the media in the past, have all turned out to be forgeries. Uh, but some of that, noticing why when he says something that is just so completely wrong is completely wrong, takes a little bit of either technical understanding or paying attention and listening to the experts and digesting what the experts have to tell you and then being able to put that into a legal opinion. So I guess we'll see. Um, we'll know in approximately a month from now, one way or another, maybe sooner, but definitely by November 8th, unless the judge grants themselves an extension. And speaking of legal news, you probably heard this already because this isn't breaking news, but it's only a couple of days old. Uh, Kim Kardashian was charged by the Securities and Exchange Commissions for promoting a shitcoin without disclosing the fact that she was being paid to do so. 
uh, and they find her $1.26 million, which is rightly being called pocket change. I don't know what she got paid for promoting the S-Coin. Uh, maybe she didn't get a million um, or so, but I think um, many people are speculating that that fine is just business as usual as far as the SEC is concerned, you know, where, for example, financial institutions will be fined, you know, $100 million, but they made a billion dollars by being, you know, by engaging in the scam. So um, opinions are varied on whether or not uh, the Kim Kardashian charged by the SEC as a, a positive development and a bad development or just an irrelevant development. Uh, but it definitely signals that the SEC is, uh, is setting their sights on shit coins, uh, at least uh, on celebrities that were promoting them. And if you recall, that's what they wanted John McAfee for was, um, you know, promoting crypto that he was benefiting from promoting all right. As I mentioned, a lot of people are beginning to call this a bottom more and more. So you're starting to hear that. And that's not necessarily a good thing because, you know, they say uh, capitulation is when everybody says, oh, it's over and they throw up their hands. But when people are being optimistic and saying, nope, this is the bottom, it's not going to get any cheaper. Oftentimes that means there's a leg down to go. But we have been bouncing around in the $20,000 range since pretty much last June. So if it, uh, you know, if, if, if history doesn't repeat but rhymes, if you look at the previous halving cycles, we have about six months of going sideways ahead of us, uh, or maybe a couple of months of going sideways and then a slight, a slow trend upward where um, Bitcoin starts gaining in value as it gets closer to the halving, uh, but not radically so because it doesn't usually go on its face-melting tear until about six months or so after the halving, six to 18 months after the halving. And the next halving is going to be sometime in the early part of 2024, maybe around April of 2024. Of course, that's subject to change based on how much hash power gets added to the network. Obviously, those blocks coming in at eight minutes and 50 something seconds a block, that speeds up how, you know, how soon the halving is coming. Uh, but a lot more people every day, there's more and more people out there calling a bottom. Trader University, for example, posted a video where they stand by their call that the bottom was actually in June. And I'm not calling a bottom. Uh, I don't call anything. I don't make predictions. But um, if we did bottom in June, I mean, then, you know, I guess we'll only know in hindsight, but um, I keep harkening back to the previous two halving cycles where it pretty much looked like we bottomed. Like, for example, during the previous halving cycle, I think the bottom was somewhere around 6,500 and we bounced around that area. You know, it went up to maybe almost 10 and then back down to six or something like that for months. And then we had one final major puke where Bitcoin dropped all the way down to 3,500 or so. And even then people were uh, in disagreement as to whether that was the bottom or not. If you remember, there's that famous meme, uh, Bitcoin, please go to a moon uh, song that came out the last having where it says Tone Vase was calling for Bitcoin to drop all the way to a thousand. And of course it didn't. So um, even quote unquote, the smartest technical and technical analysts in Bitcoin uh, we're at a disagreement then and they're at a disagreement now, but more and more are calling for a bottom, including uh, Trader U that says the bottom was in in June. I remember a previous episode where we mentioned that um, on the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, uh, they had a, an expert on who said that uh, he was forecasting the bottom would be in June, and that was a future call because it wasn't June yet. Uh, so maybe he got that right, maybe he didn't. Again, only time will tell. 
Once again, Plan B is on Twitter saying that the bottom is in with a tweet from yesterday saying, quote, $20,000 is the new $4,000, parentheses, in 2018 and 19, and 250 in 2015, and five in 2012. We know what happens next. And what he's referencing are the three uh, previous cycles where uh, 20,000 would be the equivalent of the 4,000 bottom or 3,500-ish bottom last time. Uh, so he's standing by his call that the bottom is in. He also tweeted earlier that miners signal start to bull market with a graph showing the increasing hash rate, um, hash rate setting basically new record levels. Uh, the implication is that um, in the past, every time there's been a bottom, you've seen that signaled by more, more miners coming online, more hash power pouring onto the network. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, when we were going over the, going over the statistics, hash power has radically increased. You know, we're looking at that 6 to 12% difficulty increase. So um, that is a significant chunk of hash power that's come online since the last adjustment a week and a half or so ago. So uh, maybe, maybe they're right. Okay, well, I've already been going on for almost a half an hour here, and we haven't gotten to the, to the point of today's podcast. Of course, we were doing a little bit of makeup for last week's super short podcast. But again, the reason we're here today is because today is DCA Wednesday, and what is DCA Wednesday, you might ask? Well, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, and dollar cost averaging is, quote, an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this will be our 63rd stack. We started stacking Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, and we've stacked every Wednesday since. That's 62 times. We've stacked a total of $1,240, including $27.90 for the fees, so our equal portion is $20, and our regular interval is Wednesdays. Dollar cost averaging is just like anything else in life. Do your own research, and you do you. We chose weekly. A lot of people at DCA, whether it be into stocks, Bitcoin, gold, whatever, uh, they tend to make their investments around their payday. So if you get paid every two weeks, that might be when you choose to DCA. Other people DCA daily. Uh, some people DCA hourly, which, um, you know, might be a little extreme. I think we've already shown in just this short time that we've been doing this that weekly's worked out pretty well with smoothing out those prices. Um, so uh, pick a strategy that suits your needs and, and you do you, as they say. Again, we're only investing $20. And um, the reason we're investing $20 is because I wanted to show that even as little as $20 will add up over time. Again, I've said this dozens of times, but every time you look at Reddit or Twitter, there's somebody out there that says, hey, I only have $100. Is that worth it? Is, you know, is it even worth my time and money? Am I too late? And, I, and hopefully we're showing that, no, you're not too late, and that, uh, yes, even $100 can make a difference. Uh, and so we set that bar particularly low at $20 because, hey, for a lot of people, $20 is pocket change, right? Like Kim Kardashian we were talking about earlier, $1.26 is nothing to her, so $20, which she wouldn't even notice. But some of you listening out there, $20 is a lot of money. And this show is for you um, to show that it's not too late for you. Us us little people, quote unquote, you know, not we're not the Kardashians, we're not the Warren Buffetts. Uh, I want to show that it's not too late for us to get involved and even investing a tiny amount uh, which might not be tiny if you're in Central African Republic, for example, or, you know, in a, in a, there are plenty of countries in the world where $20 is a, is a decent amount of money. And um, I think 
even though dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy and, and even Bitcoin, you shouldn't be judging your, uh, your successes or failures in Bitcoin on short time frames. You should be planning on buying and holding for a minimum of one full cycle. That's four years or more, ideally 10 years. You know, anybody that's made any real money investing in Bitcoin has been in it for more than just one cycle. Uh, they say that the best time to have purchased Bitcoin was 10 years ago, but the second best is right now. And so if you're just listening for the first time, uh, I want to show you that it's not too late for you and that even $20 is better than nothing. All right, so we're going to stack that 20 bucks using the Cash App. Cash App is not a sponsor of this podcast. Uh, I've been using Cash App just because I find it's really easy to use. It is not available everywhere. And as I say in everything in this show, do your own research and you do you. You pick an app or an exchange that you feel comfortable with. We're going to use Cash App. If you like Cash App and do not have it, we do have a referral code in the show notes. That is not the same as them being a sponsor. Anyone that opens a Cash App account has a referral code where if you click on that link, you'll get five bucks free for signing up and then we'll get five bucks free as well. And that would be a easy, super easy way for you to support this podcast and you'll get paid to do it. So that's even, even better. And since you're buying Bitcoin, you'll get five bucks more with a Bitcoin. And if you're only DCAing 20 bucks like we are, uh, that's 25% increase uh, over your $20 investment. So a free five bucks, uh, that's, you can't, you can't poo-poo that. Again, they're not a sponsor. Anybody has a referral notice or referral code, but uh, please consider using ours if you want to use Cash App and don't already do so. All right, so I've got Cash App open. And I'm going to add $20 because I do not keep money on my Cash App. And that's the other reason I like Cash App so much is that I can add money and spend it immediately and even transfer that Bitcoin out to my hardware wallet immediately. And not a lot of exchanges will let you do that. Some of them will let you purchase immediately, but then they'll put a hold on how soon it is before you can transfer it out of, you know, out of their custody into your hardware wallet. Uh, so, all right, 20 bucks is already in there. We're going to, well, we're going to go to the purchase Bitcoin screen, which Again, they moved this a couple weeks ago. They used to have a really neat Bitcoin button in the bottom right-hand corner. You could just tap the latest update. They moved that. It's now it's kind of hidden. It's on a second page. First, you have to look at your funds, and then there's stocks and Bitcoin, and you tap on the Bitcoin. Then tap buy, and then tap $20, and it is going to ask us to confirm. And boom, just like that, we purchased another 96,530 sats. And that is going to be the first time we've gotten less than 100,000 sats in a month. Uh, it was, it's kind of a bummer. It, you know, we've certainly gotten a lot less sats for our $20 at other times in the past. 20,000, we, we purchased at a base price of $20,252.87. Um, so that 96,530 sats is more than we've gotten at plenty of other occasions. But it was fun to get more than 100,000 sats. Um, maybe Bitcoin will dip again next week and we'll get, be in the 100,000 sat range, but I wouldn't bet your life on it. Again, not a price forecast, but, um, we only have a certain amount of time, which may be months or maybe days of going sideways before the next halving. And then, you know, if Bitcoin does what Bitcoin does, it's going to go on an absolute tear. And what's funny is uh, getting 96,000 sats for 20 bucks. And right now I'm lamenting that we didn't get a full hundred thousand, but, um, you know, when Bitcoin, uh, when Bitcoin said a hundred thousand and we're getting uh, 10,000 sats instead of a hundred thousand, uh, or whatever that would, that will just be, uh, um, uh, 
that'll put things into perspective, certainly. That is for sure. All right. And the other thing that's certain about this purchase is that has brought our stack up to 3,663,331 sets. And again, it dropped our average cost basis down. This time it dropped it by another $370.12. Our average cost basis is now $34,394.93. As long as Bitcoin stays down or continues to go down, that number is going to keep dropping. That's one of the advantages of dollar cost averaging is, yeah, we bought the highs, but we bought the low. And if it goes even lower, we'll have bought the new low. And of course, one day we'll have bought the new high as well. But the point being, um, our average purchase price uh, is, well, for example, if you'd aped in and YOLO'd at 65000 your average cost basis would be 65000 And ours is only 34394 So uh, we're doing twice as good as if we had just YOLO'd in closer to the all-time high. And if Bitcoin does go to that moon one day and go all the way up to that $1 million valuation or higher, then that, uh, that $3 million 600,000 sats will be $36,000 of the Bitcoin. And that is not too shabby of a return for just a $1,200 investment. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Again, I want to uh, mention that if you do not already follow us, please follow us on Twitter. We are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. And um, if you would like to reach out to us and tell us what you think about the show, you can do so. You can DM us uh, or you can email me. And my email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. So either our at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter or email at bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com and let us know what you think. Uh, I, I, I guess you can also uh, message us. That's the neat thing about the Boostergrams on, uh, on Anchor. Uh, I'm sorry, the Boostergrams on Fountain is that they, they come in the form of a message. So you can also let us know uh, what you think on Fountain by boosting us. Uh, that'd be even cooler because we'll get your feedback and some sats, so it'll help support the show. But again, uh, thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for our DCA episode. But until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>